Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. I'm your host, Rachel Wortman, and I am so pumped to have you with us today. So we're wrapping up a three-week series on biblical mindsets of wealth and um, really faith-based financial thinking. And so if you have not already heard the two prior to this, I really want to encourage you to listen to those. They're kind of a building upon series. But for those of you guys that have been going on this journey with me, thanks for being here to wrap it up. I hope it's been helpful for you. Next week, I have a really special surprise um, on the podcast. I cannot wait. I've been dreaming about this for about five months now. So it's finally going to happen next week. And um, I really hope you set it in your calendar Tuesday of next week and get to catch it because it's going to be awesome. All right, let's wrap up our series on wealth mindsets. Today, we're talking about three ways you can renew your mind on finances. So three specific action points that you can do um, to apply all the stuff we've been talking about. And the first one is going to come as no surprise to you. And we're just going to dive right into the thick of it because we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, But the first one is really teach yourself, train yourself to meditate on the word of God in relationship to finances. So if you've got something to jot some notes down, write these couple of scriptures down. These are great ones to spend meditating on. The first one is Deuteronomy chapter eight. Yeah the whole chapter. There's a big long passage in there about wealth that's so good. This is where we get verses like Deuteronomy 8.18 that says, it's the Lord that teaches you to build wealth. Um, I love that scripture. When I meditate on that, one of the things I think about is that when I feel like I'm in a bind, when I feel like I don't know what, you know, what to do to proceed in business or whatever, I go back to the scripture and I remind myself, it is God that brought this business into my life. It is God that is going to show me the way forward. It's God that provides for me to build, um, to build wealth. And this is something he's doing. And so I need your wisdom, Lord. So Deuteronomy 8 is so good for that. Philippians 4, you probably know this one, but you know, Paul is saying, I know what it is to be in plenty and I know what it is to be in lack or to not have enough, basically. Um, And he said, I found the secret of being content. It's that I can do anything that God asks me to. His strength is sufficient. I'm totally paraphrasing there, but you know what I mean? Philippians 4 is such a good section to look at when God has called you to something he will provide. And we use this to help us renew our mind that God is waiting for us in our future with tomorrow's provision, that we don't have to hoard yesterday's provision. Uh, We can trust him for tomorrow. Genesis chapters 41 through 45. Oh, Rachel, what did you say? Four chapters? Yes, this is the story of Joseph being raised to Pharaoh's right hand to save Israel. And this is such an amazing story of God's provision and how God handles finances, even in a wicked and dark nation like Egypt was. Last 
But certainly not least, we've got Romans chapter 3, verse 13. And this one is a really good one to meditate on because essentially what it is is reminding us what's going to happen at the end of time. When the world is over, when you die and you stand before Jesus and you hopefully hear him say, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant. And it's this imagery that's so interesting that also echoes some other scriptures where, you know, we're going to offer our lives to the Lord and and we're going to be burned on the altar. Not our, you know, I'm not talking about burning our flesh or anything, but our, the the what we amass in our life, our treasure of our life will be burned on the altar of the Lord and we're going to see what's left. And for some, maybe what's left will be grass and hay that just burns up and and disappears and there's nothing to show for it. But for others, it'll be the things of our life will be burned up and there will be these jewels and crowns that we can go lay at Jesus's feet because we know that he's the one who empowered us to do all of these things. And I love this scripture because it helps to remember that when we build in the kingdom, a lot of the work that we do to build the kingdom creates wood for that altar that can bring about the gems and the jewels, right? It can bring about the things of substance that are eternal. So doing our taxes might not feel eternal, but it sets us up for the eternal things, right? So a lot of the the actual day-to-day kingdom work is creating the wood that's going to burn what's really going on in our hearts, what's really going on um, in in where we're giving ourselves to and where we're investing in the kingdom. So we got to meditate on scripture because if we don't, we just borrow a bunch of different thoughts and that's how we think about money. And that is not healthy. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there, get rich quick kind of schemes, um, different philosophies of how to steward your money, both biblical and non-biblical. It's always been interesting to me to watch people who do not love Jesus use biblical concepts and actually increase their their finances through it. Biblical concepts like the law of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you will reap. You know, they different businesses that will give charitably. They'll give a, a portion away of all of their income and God blesses them for it. And these people can be heathens. They can be pagans, but they're tapping into the spiritual laws that work on the earth. Of course, you know, God wants to partner with you. But what I'm saying to you is that's how powerful these things actually are. When we meditate on scripture and we begin to let God's thoughts become our thoughts, we begin to try to understand how he feels about money and the ecosystem of his kingdom, and we are all the better for it. So the second thing that you can do, if the first one is meditating on scripture, the second action step you can do to renew your mind, and and this is a challenge, Take small steps of risk with the Lord. Take small risks and test God. This is what the Bible says, right? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and test God. See, we get really uncomfortable with the idea of testing God because it goes back to this feeling where we don't want to be arrogant. But as a child before a father, we are building trust. And so we're not testing to say, prove it, Lord, I don't believe you. We're testing saying, God, can you help me grow in this area? We, we need your help, Lord. We want to, to grow in this way. And a lot of times the way he asks us to do that is by taking these risks. So I shared with you guys last week the story, uh, or maybe two weeks ago, about when we challenged ourselves to move from 10% tithing to 20% and then 30% and how that, that went down. Well, around that same time, 
Um, I had been praying. I pray every year, Lord, what are the financial goals for this year? What do you want me to save? What do you want me to give away? Um, and I try very hard to stick to that. I take a couple of days every, you know, December to January and, and really spend some time seeking the Lord. And what he tells me is what I work very hard the whole year to, to do. And so one particular year, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to give, excuse me, I want you to save a certain amount of money. And it was a lot of money. It was the most money that would have ever been in our savings account. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And I had this sense, the, the, the prophetic part of me had this sense that after I saved it, God would want me to do something with it, you know? So I tried to work really hard on the attachment, right? That I did not want to attach to this money. As I saw this money growing in the bank month after month, um, I was like, you know what? That is God's money. I'm stewarding his money. I don't know what he'll have me do with it, but I'm trusting him. I know he's building my faith through doing this. So it took about seven months to save up that amount of money. It was it was hard to do. We said no to a lot of things to put that money aside. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. If nothing else, I'm going to be faithful to the Lord, right? And so we got that money and then he said, just sit with it. So I sat with it in my bank account for another four months or so. And then um, I felt like the Lord said, all right, here's what I want you to give it to. Give all of it to this specific project. And I remember in that moment thinking, no problem, right? Because God's going to replenish it. Because so far in our faith journey, he's been really faithful. Of Like when we give, it's almost like the giving opens up a flow of more finances to come. So I honestly was kind of excited about giving it because I was excited to see what was going to happen on the back end. And wow, was I surprised that the Lord wanted to make sure I thoroughly learned about the finances in the kingdom. So I cheerfully wrote this check, biggest check I'd ever written in my life. I was so proud that we had saved the money and we like, you know, it was like, like, wow, we worked hard for this kind of thing. Wrote this check, gave it with a smile on my face. And about a month later, we were still in like a lean financial place. And I'm thinking, well, this is interesting. A month after that, we are not seeing anything come to replenish that money. And I'm like, okay, now this is very interesting. Nine months later, we still have not replenished that money. We had enough for our daily life. So I'm not saying we were like, you know, in a bad place, but I was fascinated that it did not just open a channel to replenish right away. And what I learned through that, what God was teaching me was exactly what Philippians 4 says, to learn to be content in all things, to learn to not take for granted when the Lord provides, and also to trust what he says, because we cannot just assume every dollar that comes to us is for us. I began to realize a lot of the increase that had allowed for that money to be saved up was for that project right? It wasn't for me. It wasn't for my husband. It wasn't because we're amazing at what we do. It was because God was opening a, uh, I'm going to say like a, a channel, like a stream, right? Of finances to provide for that specific project through us. And what was really cool about that was as challenging as it was, it built my faith dramatically. It reinforced the stewardship concept that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. And so when we take these small risks and we test the Lord, we grow exponentially. We grow exponentially. So I want to encourage you, ask the Holy Spirit for a challenge financially. Now, you and your spouse, if you're married, you need to be in agreement on this because you cannot force your spouse to have a faith level higher than what they have. 
And that can be really frustrating. Um, and so, you know, because if you do that, you're going to end up creating strife in, in a way that's actually counteractive to what God is trying to do. So I, I want to encourage you, have open and honest conversations, give them the time they need to build their faith, but put something small out there. So maybe for you, you go from tithing 10% to 15 or 20% and see what happens. Maybe for you, you start tithing 10% every month because that's not something you're currently doing. Maybe it's, you know, setting a financial goal and purposing yourself to give that money to it or becoming a partner to a ministry that, that, you know, you give to every month, whatever the case may be, I challenge you to ask the Holy spirit to give you, you know, to give you something you can do to take a risk, to step out. And then once you've done it, have some reflection time with God, Think it through and and see what you're learning about yourself, maybe areas where you need to repent for thinking that's not of the Lord and and really, you know, let it be a learning experience for you. Um, remember, stewarding is about relationship. You're doing this with God. You are not doing this to make God proud of you. You're not trying to give into the kingdom to catch his attention so that he'll do something that you want him to do. You are stewarding it with him, hand in hand. It's like you both, it's, it's a shared bank account, you and Jesus, right? And we have to get this thinking into us because we will go way off track if we start trying to perform for God in our finances. If we give something generous to our church or our ministry and then we're like, see God, see what I did there? Aren't you proud of me? Well, you're missing it. You're missing it. Because God is already proud of you, whether you ever give or not. When we give, we are partnering with him. We are stewarding together as if he is right there with us doing it through our very fingers. And that's so important to not mistake the performance junk of the world with the generosity of God. All right, so the first thing we're going to do is meditate on scripture. Second thing is we're going to take small risks and test the Lord. And the third thing, and this is so, so important, purpose yourself to learn. Learn from the people ahead of you that you admire. There are way too many people out there telling you, here's how to, you know, gain money with the Lord. And it makes me sick sometimes because they want your money to give you very little substance. And what I have found is that sometimes you do have to invest in yourself. You got to put some money forward, but make sure the person you're learning from is someone you actually want to be like. How do they talk about money? How do they talk about giving? Are they, you know, building up themselves with fine things and they're trying to sell a product versus are they serving the kingdom? Again, it's not bad to have fine things, but I think if you're using your discernment, you can tell the difference, right? So purpose yourself to learn from the people who you actually want to be like. One of my favorite uh, teachers, biblical teachers, he's a pastor, talks about this subject. Poor guy. His name is Jim Baker, but not that Jim Baker. So Baker with one K as opposed to two Ks, which was the televangelist who embezzled all the money back in the, I think it was late 80s. Um, this guy, Jim Baker, he's a pastor of a church in Ohio, and he has this incredible teaching on wealth with God and the biblical concepts. These are not like name it, claim it kind of stuff. This is rich, rich Bible. Bible teaching, and I can't recommend it enough. I actually mentioned his book to you in episode 98, the God, Mammon, and Poverty Spirit episode. 
Um, but the book is called When Heaven Invades Your Finances, and it is filled with just amazing, amazing teaching about the mindset that God asks us to have with our finances. And what I love about Jim Baker's ministry is he is not trying to um, swindle your money to make himself good. He is serving the body of Christ. So he has a course, I believe it's like a several week course or class called Wealth with God. And you can access that wealthwithgod.com. And he will walk you through all this kind of stuff on a on a slower pace where with activities and exercises and lots of really incredible teaching. And I just want to recommend that course to you. If you have, um, if you're listening to this series and going, I really need to pay attention to this in my life. Um, I really want to recommend that for you. So when you learn to purpose yourself to learn, you're going to be exposed to a lot of different ideas. And I, I really want to challenge you to take everything that you're learning before the Holy Spirit and ask God to filter it out for you to make sure that you know the, the ideas and the wisdom that you're getting is actually right for you. Good wisdom does not always apply to every person. So you want to make sure that you are right in line with the Lord. Um, you know, we could talk about practical things. We could talk about paying down your bad debt and prioritizing that. We could talk about, you know, the budget that you have. We could talk about all that kind of stuff. But what I want to say to you is that God knows your financial situation better than anybody. And so you need to get good at asking the Holy Spirit how to steward the finances that he has put in your hand. These are just three kind of quick um, thoughts about what you can do, action steps that you can take. And I want to do kind of a bonus q and I've got a couple of questions here that, that I've um, collected over the years as people have asked me, kind of common questions that I want to kind of end this little mini-series talking about because I think it's important for us. And the first one that comes up when we talk about wealth mentality, wealth mindset, biblical approach to finances, is a lot of people wonder, well, how much is too much? How much money is too much for me to to want to have? And I love how um, the book I just referenced, Jim Baker's book, talks about provision being enough to provide for you for the assignment that God has given. And it's different for all of us, right? Healthcare physicians might have a different assignment, and so they might have a different provision attached to that. Teachers have a different assignment, right? And, and so provision, when we're talking about abundance and provision, we're talking about more than enough for what you have been positioned to do, which is not the same amount for every single person that's out there. So how much is too much? Well, I don't know that there is an answer to that question. You know, I've heard pastors say, well, too much is when you stop trusting God. But I don't know that it would be biblical to say, Lord, I don't want any more increase in my life. I think the challenge for us is not how much is too much, but how deep can I go with the Holy Spirit? How connected can I be so that as he adds increase, my heart continues, continues to get more pure? Second bonus question, people will say, well, why aren't you happy with what you already have? You know, shouldn't you be content? Isn't that like biblical to be content? Why would you want more? Well, to that, I would say because God wants to bring increase and because when, there's no parking in the kingdom of God, right? We're moving forward or we're moving backwards. And so if I'm content with what I have and I'm not interested in growing my faith in finances, uh, to me, and you might disagree with this, but to me, that means that I just don't really want to trust the Lord. I don't want the inconvenience of the trust building process. And I don't ever want to say that about any area of my life, specifically finances. Third question that people ask a lot is, well, doesn't money corrupt you? 
Doesn't having more money corrupt you? And and this typically comes from that First Timothy, uh, what is it, six verse ten that um, says, "For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil." And some of the translations have really done a bad job on that and translated it, the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's actually not what the original text says. It says, for the the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Having more money does not corrupt you. Having a heart that is, you know, separated from God is what corrupts you. Choosing your flesh over walking in the spirit is what corrupts you. Money becomes an amplifier. It just amplifies what's already within you. So if you are being tempted to be self-serving and selfish and and build your own empire, as more money comes to you, you're going to feel tempted to use that money on yourself. Plastic surgery, Botox, better purses, better designer clothes, you know, uh, whatever the case may be. But if you are walking in step with the Holy Spirit, then as those temptations might come, you have the ability to submit them to the Lord and not buy into them, right? That you, you, you can guard your heart in that way. We cannot be afraid of money. We should not want to be poor any more than we want to commit adultery or be an alcoholic. I mean, and I'm not saying it's a sin to be poor. What I'm saying is God wants freedom in every area of your life, in every area of your life. And it's so important for us to, to understand that. I want to recognize that I have not gone back to one of the things I said I would go back to in episode the first episode of this one, um, this series. And I want to talk just for a moment as we wrap up today about the difference between passive and active income. And I, I don't know, I, I feel like there's somebody that's listening to this that probably needs to hear this concept. And this was new to me a couple of years ago. When my husband began to say, look, what I'm wanting to do is build uh, multiple streams of income that are passive income. And I remember thinking, like, what does that even mean? Because you make money by showing up and going to work and bringing home a paycheck, right? That's how you make money. Well, there's a whole other way to make money where you're not actually showing up to do the work. It's not your hands on the plow. You send your money to it, um, but it's not your hands on the plow working it. And that would be in the real estate world, like having rental properties, right? Having um, rental houses. I know a lot of people who have retired and their retirement plan was having six to eight to 10 rental houses that they bought over the course of their life. And that was their retirement plan, having the income from those houses. It's a brilliant plan. Um, it does have some risks, of course, but all future planning usually does. So passive income is the kind of income where you're not actually putting in the hours to bring in the income. And what that means is we all only have a certain number of hours every day where we can be working, right? So if we work smarter, we can apply ourselves to build wealth in a way that is maximizing our few hours of the day. And um, and rental property is a great way to do that. There are other passive income strategies. Some people use stock markets. Some people do bonds. Some people do. I mean, good Lord, we could come up with a, quite an exhaustive list of that. Um, and so, you know, if that's something you're interested in, just start researching that a little bit. But I think that that's something that Christians should be open to. Um, believers should be open to. And I think that's a lot about what the parable of the talents has to to do with is investing yourself beyond just what you are doing in your one sphere right now. Maybe that looks like building up a side hustle, you know, doing a multi-level marketing product that you love and want to sell or having a, a consulting business or a babysitting business or whatever the case may be. Um, but really looking at what can I do now to bring an extra stream of income 
um, that is doable for me, right? That's honoring the season that you're in. Parents, stay-at-home parents with little kids, it might not be the right season for a side hustle, but it may be the perfect season. You have to ask the Lord about that. All right, so that's a ton of information over the last few weeks talking about wealth mindset and building wealth and financial faith thoughts. Uh, And I really hope this has been helpful for you. Shoot me a message on social media or send me an email, rachel at rachelwartman.com and let me know what you thought about this little series um, because it helps me know what to do in future mini series as well. And lastly, make sure you show up to next week's episode because I cannot wait to give this surprise to to you. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.